This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Congrats on the new edition of your book, For the Win, The Power of Gamification and Game Thinking in Business, Education, Government, and Social Impact. I wanted to talk first about your initial interest in gamification and what drew you together. Uh, I understand it started as a shared interest in World of Warcraft. So how did you kind of develop it from there? It was actually a shared interest in games uh, and the power of games. We were originally both faculty at Wharton, and we were both studying uh, what was then called cyberspace, uh, virtual worlds. And and Dan actually uh, did this work before I did, but he and others started looking at uh, virtual worlds of games and comparing that to the virtual world that was getting built with the Internet and cyberspace. And I found that uh, incredibly fascinating, and uh, I found Dan to be a, a really brilliant guy as well. And so we, we became friends, and um, one of the things that we did was with a group of other researchers and journalists and others who studied games and virtual worlds, we got together and started playing a game, uh, World of Warcraft, back when it originally launched, uh, now 15-plus years ago. And that experience of seeing what it was actually like in this incredibly sophisticated virtual world, I think for both of us really uh, further kindled our interest. And then when this phenomenon of gamification started to develop a couple years later, where people were saying we can learn from games and take insights from developing effective games and apply that to business and apply that to the things in the real world that we were studying, I, I think that's really the point where both of us jumped and said, yes, we really think this is something significant and we can contribute to the understanding. Yeah, for, for me, I mean, Kevin's exactly right, but um, that, that was the process. But for me, there was this, um, uh, there was this crystalline moment um, where, where we were both playing World of Warcraft and we'd, we'd heard, you know, all about gamification. It was sort of starting to become a movement. And I, and I remember, you know, having to do these, these things in World of Warcraft that took forever. I mean, they were just, they were just this grinding kind of hole that you had to do in order to do something that was a little bit later on in the, in the game. You know, it's, it's, it's often called grinding rep or farming and, and we were doing this and sort of happily doing this. And, and the actual um, cost of doing it, if we went out and actually bought the, the, the gold on the, on the open market, um, would have been a few cents. And, and so here were these two people with advanced degrees who, who otherwise, you know, were, were seemingly pretty smart doing something that was absolutely ridiculous. And, and it really struck me at that point that games are this incredible motivator, that, that if you can wrap up a process inside some kind of game elements, then people will do the most amazing things, sometimes really, really dumb things, but, but really, you know, they will enjoy it. And, and that was the moment when, when you know we were sitting down thinking about gamification, and I said, you know, there's there's really a, a book in this, and it's and it's really going to be this is going to be a big thing. So when you two published the first edition of For the Win back in 2012, the Economist called gamification uh, quote management craze when it reviewed your book. Um, what do you think has changed most about uh, in the gamification sphere since that time? Let me jump in on that one. Um, Kevin's got got some ideas, but you know, for me, I sort of think about this in terms of the Gartner hype cycle. 
right? You know, there's that, that big initial wave, it, it's cresting and everybody wants to get on it and gamification is going to be in everything. And Burger King is going to be using gamification to, to, to sell more burgers. And, and indeed, I think they did. And, you know, there are, then there were providers jumping in saying, we can do this for you. We'll provide you with a platform. Um, and then of course, it, you know, the, you end up on the, on the downside of, of, of that particular wave and everyone goes, oh, actually gamification. It was just as, as uh, you said there, a management craze. Um, it turns out now that we're in that, that sort of happy point later on that, that you see in, in the hype cycle, um, wave of gradual kind of acceptance that's going upwards and being used in areas where people don't even think about about it being gamification. They're just thinking about how do you get people to do things. And and so one of the really interesting things about this is has been how we've ended up with um, uh, people just just doing this, um, implementing these kinds of systems without going. Oh, we've got to put out a press release that that is all about gamification. Now we are the we are the first with the latest because it's not the latest anymore, but it's still really powerful. Yeah, and if anything, it's bigger. So when we started, the hype was really ahead of the reality. Now, frankly, the reality. If you ask how much implementation is there of gamification, often, as Dan says, without thinking of it, is that. Uh, is really much more than the hype of people talking about it. The the example that that struck me was there's a meditation app that I use, and they had a feature of streaks, which is if you use the app uh, two days, three days, four days in a row, it says your streak is this many days. And they took it out. The developer of the app did a, a little audio thing where he talked about taking it out, and, and he said, you know what, I don't even know why we put this in the app. We basically did it because every other meditation app does this. And we realized for us, it actually wasn't what we wanted. We don't want people thinking about their streak and focusing on their streak. It works. People are really motivated. People write to me all the time saying, isn't it great? I'm using this every day because of the streaks. But this is a meditation app. What we care about is how engaged you are in the moment. And that's what you focus on. So we took it out. And what was striking to me about that was he didn't know it was gamification. He didn't know why he did it. Um, it had just become something that you do and something that is actually effective. And, and it's an example where it was right for that app to take it out because they hadn't thought about consciously how and why they were doing gamification, which is what we emphasize in the book. And it didn't make sense for them, which is fine. But, but that was, you know, to me, really brought home the point that um, people are talking about gamification as a phenomenon a lot less, but people are doing it a whole lot more. The other thing that's kind of funny about that example, it's a, it's a great example. Um, I, I bet that the developer got a lot of pushback from the users who said, please put the streak function back in. We really, we really love that. It really is important to us. In the new edition, there are a lot of new examples. Um, what is the most encouraging and positive use of gamification you've kind of seen in the, in the last few years? Um, I wouldn't pick just one. I, I, I think the expansion of gamification, in particular into education and healthcare, there are many terrible examples in both of those fields or, or examples like we've been alluding to where gamification is done thought, thoughtlessly. But some of the examples where it really is um, valuable in terms of educational experiences, the, the one that we talk about in the book um, is Duolingo, which is a language learning app, which is really thoughtfully designed around gamification. And, and that's a big reason it's been so successful. But we've seen the same thing in healthcare, where it's really changing people's lives on things like uh, getting people to take their medicine. And we talk about a, a stroke rehabilitation company in the book um, that's based on gamification. So it, it's a really great thing 
uh, I say, as a business school professor to talk about this is a technique to motivate people at work and a technique to help drive business metrics. But changing people's lives, that's that's a pretty important thing. Yeah, the one the one that stands out for me is Neofect, um, which we talk about in the book, which which is a South Korean company which is doing uh, rehabilitation of stroke patients by by getting them to um, visualize um, uh, moving their hands and and doing things using games, right? And and that's a really sophisticated use of um, of gamification. So it's not just your points, badges, and leaderboards, which are which are great. They motivate people, and you see them in lots of different areas. Um, but that's a that's an example of of as Kevin says, really changing people's lives within within health and fitness. You know, it's almost impossible to find an app that doesn't have. Uh, gamified elements, whether you're talking about Strava or, or Fitbit or any of these sorts of ones. And the the rise of that and the movement of that throughout the entire industry, I, I think, has made a huge change in, in people's fitness in aggregate, right? You know, it, it, any individual person might decide not to do it, but a little bit of motivation that gets someone across the line to actually exercise uh, in healthcare terms uh, for societies is a really huge thing. So I definitely agree with Kevin around, around healthcare and education is where we see it the most. Yeah, I guess uh, on the other side of the token, um, you guys talk about a lot of potentially negative effects from gamified thinking, and you mentioned some in the book, um, China's social credit system, um, an incident in which a Robinhood trader is said to have died by suicide after uh, seeing his losses on the app. Um, do you believe that concerning trends like these will continue in the future, and how, um, how can companies looking to uh, gamify their systems uh, avoid these types of consequences? Well, you, they, they should read the book to, to start with and be aware of the issues. Um, you know, I, I see this, this, this is the inevitable um, downside that you get with the, um, any of the um, types of technologies, digital technologies that we see these days. You know, the, the, the tech lash that, that we see in relation to um, Facebook and Google and the current uh, hullabaloo about TikTok and, and so on. You know, there, there's always going to be um, uh, some kind of negative that gets generated by the widespread adoption of these sorts of technologies just because they they change people's lives really dramatically. So um, the the thing that's, I guess, the one main principle, the lesson that, that I think the developers, uh, people who are, who are doing this should be thinking about is, is to say this is a big change in people's lives. This can motivate people in, in really, really significant ways. And that's great for business. That's great for the outcomes that you're looking for. Um, but it can have some really serious implications in their lives. And so just as we have to bring ethical precepts to the way in which we design technology like social media, then we have to bring those same sort of ethical principles to, to gamification because the downside can be really pretty significant. And so just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. And just because people will use these, these gamified approaches and, and do the things that you want them to do, that doesn't mean that you should be doing that. And, and that's the sort of care and, and responsibility that, that we all need to take in relation to any of these sorts of approaches. Yeah, it was something striking when we went back to do the update of the book and looked at what we had written uh, something like eight or nine years ago when we originally put it together. We were talking about these issues back then. We were talking about very explicitly the need to be concerned about ethical and other problems with gamification. We've put a lot more in the book because it's an even bigger concern now. Um, but it was there at the beginning. 
And it's also really embedded in all of the structures in the book for how to do effective gamification. We talk a lot about thinking about players, that if you think about what the goals of your gamified system are, um, if you just sort of assume, well, our goal if, is to just get people to trade more because we make more money on our uh, exchange if people trade more, and you don't talk about the users or, or in a game context, the players, then there's always a danger that you're going to manipulate them, that you're going to create something like the, that tragic Robin Hood trading example where someone loved the game so much uh, that it, it drove them to suicide. Um, if you focus in on what's in the interest of the players and you can truly say to yourself, I am building this as something that helps them get to where they wanted to go anyway, then you are much less at risk of those kinds of ethical failings. And, and so the, the kind of structures that we provide in the book, and again, a lot of the book is very practical how-to guidance that we've updated in the new edition, then I think that's really going to be a way to avoid sliding into some of these manipulative activities. Can you provide a quick overview of the six steps you give in the book to implement gamification? There are six steps, and they all start with the letter D. So it's sometimes called the D6 framework. Uh, the basic notion here is don't just jump in and build something. Start with defining um, what your objectives are. What are you trying to do with the gamification? Then delineate target behaviors. What is it specifically that you want the players of the system to do? Then describe your players. Think about and um, uh, structure the categories of people who are using this. What exactly is going to motivate different categories of your users? Then uh, the fourth one is devise what we call activity cycles. What are the, the feedback loops that drive the actual progress of that gamified system? The next one is don't forget the fun. Uh, because one thing we found is that people can get so focused on the structure and the process that they build something that people don't actually want to play. So step back and say, is this fun? Is this something that's really engaging? And then only after you do the first five, the sixth one is deploy. Pick the appropriate tools and actually go and build it. If you put things in that order and have that kind of structured process, you really will hit all of the key elements for an effective system. So, uh, so Kevin, you launched a massive open online course right before publication of the first edition. And Dan, you founded a startup based on using uh, gamification and ed tech. Um, what has the response been through the years for, for both of you? And how has gamification and game thinking affected your teaching and your own experience in the, the real world as well? So I created one of the first MOOCs, and it's still running. Over 500,000 people around the world have signed up for it. And there was a recent spike when everyone went into lockdown around the world with COVID-19. There were tens of thousands of people who signed up for my MOOC as well as other MOOCs because they were stuck at home. And I had to stop reading the uh, emails and the success stories that people posted because it was just overwhelming. You have so many people finding ways to change their life, to change their business, to structure what they're doing based on these techniques. And so that's tremendously gratifying. I wasn't thinking about gamifying it when I built the MOOC, but when I look back at what I did uh, almost by accident well, I realized that it actually matched up quite accurately with what we talk about in the book. And the point is that gamification doesn't have to be about what we call PBLs, the points, badges, and leaderboards. There's no little rewards you get for getting a certain number of points in the MOOC. And that's not how I teach as well. But if you look at the structure, how content is introduced, 
um, the feedback loops and a lot of the principles that underlie the flow of the course and little bits that jump in that make the course interesting and, and surprising and so forth. It's all game based. It's all gamification. So again, I, I realize I wasn't even doing it necessarily explicitly the way I should have. Uh, but for me, it, it reinforced that, that, that you can think about gamification in lots of different ways once you understand what the basic game design principles are. Yeah, for, for me, the, um, the big change was really focusing on people. Um, so, so when I started out in this particular journey, uh, it was about, okay, gamification, this is a really cool tech, we can use this. And so uh, the, first, the first startup I, I did out of, um, out of education was, was explicitly a, a gamified learning um, app, right? So, so it pushed videos out, people would, would then you know, answer questions, the students would engage with it, and then, um, you know, then they, would, they would get you know, a series of rewards based upon all of the explicit gamification kind of principles that we outline in the in in the book um, in in the subsequent startups that I've done and also in my teaching um, it's not so much about gamification as the be-all and end-all it's about saying hang on what do people really want to do how can I make this experience of teaching or of um, an online community for example in one of these other startups um, how can I make that really a pleasurable experience for people so that they don't feel like it's work they don't feel like it's really hard you know I'm I'm not going to class um, and and being bored out of my mind I'm going to class and really enjoying it or I am engaging with this community in a way that actually makes me feel good um, so you know I don't explicitly gamify my classes. I, I'm, the startups I'm doing now are not explicitly about gamification, but they use those principles. And it's about people. You know, it's about putting people first and saying, okay, if people really matter, then let me make this experience a really good one for them. And that's what we try to do in the book, where we give you the, the kinds of um, knowledge and, and content that allows you to start making those sorts of steps so that you can create really just wonderful, appealing experiences in a range of different areas. Um, so we've talked about a lot of different examples of gamification so far. Um, what is sort of the one outside the box, most creative use of gamification that you've happened upon? The, the, the one that, that I've always been really impressed by is something called Quest to Learn, which is a school in New York, partly because it's not the kind of um, simple gamification of, of, of points and leaderboards. It's, it's really thinking deeply about what if we organize the entire curriculum and structure of a middle school and high school along the kinds of principles that we learn from games. And they, they've been able to show really wonderful results from doing that. So, so that, that one for me is striking just because of the, the comprehensiveness of implementing it as basically the, the foundational principle for the entire school. And in thinking about it, the one that I keep coming back to and just think, good, good God, that is just a beautiful system, is Duolingo. Um, and the reason that Duolingo is is so good is, is it's been created by by geniuses of, of this sort of stuff. But and we talk about that a little bit in the book. But but what it actually is is a series of gamification mechanics put together in a way that just works beautifully for a range of different sorts of users. So those people who really engage with narrative. Um, are, are handled there. They, the people really, you know, will, will love it because of that. People who just, um, love points and, and want to amass points because it's, it's significant to them. That's the sort of thing that drives them. They've got that as well. And, and when you take the entire system together, 
and and build all of these things in in this particular way you look you look at it and go okay that actually is just gorgeously designed it uh, allows for lots of different user types all of whom are different um, and everyone is going out there and and learning languages and it's and it's changed the lives of a huge number of people um, particularly those who are seeking to learn English and and take the the test of English as a foreign language you know in order to be able to study in the states or wherever it might be um, and and that's uh, um, been something which is you know I would say probably the most impressive use of gamification that's out there at the moment yeah, that's great. Um, so final question, um, what's um, one lesson that you hope readers take away from the new edition? Uh, people matter, right? Focus on the focus on the people. Ne never lose lose sight of the that you are making people do things that otherwise they wouldn't do. So make sure that um, you do that responsibly um, and that at the same time, you make sure that they have fun. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.